Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Sports Unplugged on this lovely Friday evening. Hope you're all doing well. Uh, joined tonight by Jay and Chris. Um, we've got so much to get get into tonight, so we're just going to crack straight on into it. Um, go to uh, Chris first. Chris, um, you been following the Ashes? Yes. How have yes. you been finding it? How's your bum? Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, I was sort of going, fucking hell, me and Kevin going to talk with us on Friday. Going, it could actually be over by... Thursday, that's JSL. So they're, they're rubbish. Yeah. Uh, but then uh, they actually found a bit of bollocks uh, last night. Uh, the captain and Marlon, you know, 80 and 86 between them. So they're only 58 behind now. So they actually got look like they're going to make Australia bat again, which uh, I'll be honest, I didn't see that coming. Um, yeah. So now, they have that little thought in my head going, are they going to do it in 2010? I'm just bat a day. But to be fair, last time we did that, we had Andrew Strauss, Trot, and. Uh, yeah, yeah. Jonathan Cook. Trot was like the. A wall, wasn't he? It was just yeah. like nothing was going to get packed. But that was the difference. Alistair, I what Alistair, Alistair Cook was averaging a double hundred most games yeah. right back I then. Watched, you're like, oh. I watched the I watched the first day. Watched the toss. England won the toss and decided to have a bat. They didn't do the Nasser Hussein and decided to put him in at Brisbane, which is a good thing. No, but just, uh, naive. Just, very naive. Batting. Yeah, it was like it was almost a case. Look, they were under Cook going into it because they've had so many days washed out. And most of the players that are there are coming off the back of a T20 World Cup mm-hmm. and T20 tournaments around the world. So here you are landed in Australia and you've got three fast bowlers at 145 kilometers an hour whizzing yeah. the ball around your nose when it's like moving sideways and doing all of those lovely good things. And England forgot how to leave the ball alone. Yeah, they, they they got fairly excited. I mean, but that's this is the problem we've got at the moment is and look, it's not their fault, but England have been spoiled for years. When you had an opening partnership of Trot and uh, Strauss, sorry, not Stra- Cook and Strauss, Cook and, Strauss. and then yeah, Trot coming in at three, Trot's coming at three, and Peterson coming in at four. At some point, one of them four is going to hit it off before you get to the middle order. Mm. The problem we've got now is they've got Joe Root, who's the only world class batsman they got, and then the top three they're all young. 
yeah. or they're all inexperienced. And this is kind of like you're gonna have to grin and bear it until you find the right partnership. You know, they've all got a bit of talent, you know, but on the day they can be really good. But the, think- thing was, the frustration was um water gets 94, but he actually got bowled out in 17, and it's a no ball. It's like real basic yeah. stuff and real basic drops. There's, they could probably have restricted Australia to about 300 if they if they well, were. I mean, unfortunately, head just the lad middle order. Travis came, head, yeah, and, he and apparently he was playing for his place as well. So, I mean, look, my my biggest gripe and worry for England for the series is Jack Leach. I mean, he went. I haven't written down because I didn't want to get it. Thirteen overs, hundred and two runs for one, one wicket. wicket. At a strike rate, uh, at an average of seven point three eight, Dave Australia yeah. do this all the time to, te- to touring sides, where they'll target a bowler and hit him out of the attack. And with yeah. Ben Stokes having a dodgy knee, that leaves England down to three bowlers, and Mark Wood is prone to injuries. Well, apparently he's he's got a he's got an open can bowl. So yeah, with how bad the dodgy knee is, it could just I mean to us. Paul Stokes, because of him taking a break for his mental health, um, yeah. he's not played since April. No, exactly. So it, 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 it's easy to say it's in hindsight, but I don't know why he didn't play Stuart Broad. As soon as Anderson went out injured, you had to Broad, is, Broad is, is our second highest wicket taker yeah. in that side. Bit of experience. I mean, listen, to be fair, the young, the young fellow Robinson did really well. Would actually look quite dangerous. Um, he did. Leach just looked like he'd won a competition. Uh, you, I'll be honest. The better player was actually um, the better spin bowler was actually Root. Joe Root is so underrated as a spin mm. bowler, as a part-time spinner, and you've got a leg spin option as well up the order in oh god, one of the batsmen I can't remember which one it is, but he's a part-time leg leg break bowler yeah, for his county. Like Malin, I think Malin bowls a bit. Malin could do it a bit, but yeah. yeah. And then your backup is Bess, who again is a young young spinner. Young spinner. Young spinner. And but I went to bed last night fully expecting England to be all out by the time I got up this morning. And surprise, surprise. The two openers did okay. They learnt a bit. They left pretty they left pretty well. Mm. Got a decent total up. But then the two that came in, you know, Joe Root as a captain. We needed a captain's innings. And in he comes, 86. Had a decent clip as well. You know, not a runner ball like Travis Head, but a decent enough for test pace. And he did all right. I was qu- quietly impressed with him. Lord Duffy's got <laughs> I I've played this game before, Lord. It's all right. When he starts talking <laughs> when he talks F one, don't worry, look, I've, I've got me pill already. So I'll, That's all right. Jay's me Jay's me F one buddy for tonight. J- yeah, <laughs> We're good. J- Jay and Jay and Kevin talk F one, I'll have a sleep. But how <laughs> how do you uh, do you reckon it goes into Another day after today? I hope so. I quite like to take the fifth day. I mean, look, I, just part of me thinks they're not going to. But that, that's because I've always thought England's batting line has been flaky for a, probably a good year, 18 months, because it's brand new. Uh, they've actually half time been relying on middle order, but Butler, you can't expect Butler to keep doing one of those magic innings. They happen now and again, but they happen more in one-day cricket than they do in test cricket. Pope looks a decent batsman. Uh, Bess was probably a little lucky not to get on the, the side, but... I think the only one you've got to ask below that is Wokes. Can be quite yeah, handy. Yeah, he, he can bat a bit. He can be bat a bit if you get him in. Uh, but, I mean, the other lads... They are three, they are three Courtney Walters, aren't they? Let's be yeah, the, the, the three walking wickets. You know, that, that's the thing with them. You just, just bolt at them, you know. Yeah. 
Just tell them, hold the bat there and let it. That's what she, the only reason they yeah, stay in. Only so. spot on there. Cricket is great for the insomniacs. Anyone who, the reason, I, a large reason why I started, why I kind of got into cricket, because I was working in a factory and we were doing night shifts and all of the lads were into it. I mean, here's this Irish fella living in England, no fucking clue what the fuck's going on. And I started listening to TMS overnight with the lads that I was working with. And I got into it that way. It was, it was weird. So I really got into it from radio commentary over watching it on telly. And then I started, I got hooked into it then. I got but into I, look, it. I mean, England I notoriously my- don't ever do well at Brisbane anyway. But England, it's England don't notoriously do well in Australia full stop. Yeah. For the sake of the Ashes series and for England in general, the thing is, Australia do have very quick bowlers. The longer you can keep them in the field, even if it's a losing effort, it doesn't matter. If you're going to lose, make them bowl a long time. Make them put miles into the legs. And it will. the knock-on effect might be felt as the series goes on. They need to target target Stark and, and the spinner. Yeah, because I think well, India did. India tried with Nathan Lyon, but he's yeah, not well, the Nathan it, Lyon of a few years ago. No, and India sort of got a, found a way of getting around him. So I think that's what England is. The other two, uh, Hazelwood and Cummins, you know, it's just like try your best against them because they're they're just ridiculously good. Yeah, they're they're world class, aren't they? Mm. Right. Well, the next. Could I you, mean, the thing is, there's so much sport on this weekend between the UFC and boxing. We'll touch on those lightly because. It annoys me the boxing is on the zone. It's just another subscription that most people just won't get because it's exclusively boxing. I know it's cheap and cheerful. But, Jay, um, you got two decent fights this weekend. Katie Taylor's fighting with her undisputed title up on the line again. Five titles up for grabs with Katie Taylor. And Conor Bain against Al Jazeera is the main event in Liverpool. Um this is huge for Conor Ben. It's kind of, I wouldn't say it's make or break break because he's only twenty five, but he's in a, an elite division. He's got to he's got to do something with this. How do you see this one going? Yeah, it's it's tough, isn't it? Um, he's got the thing is the, the both fighters got really good records, you know. Mm. But obviously, one of them is is, is undefeated in Conor Ben, which is great for, for him. But it's they're quite well matched. As well, I think, and I just, I just, I can't call it. I'll be honest, I can't call it. I want to call it for Ben, but I can't call it. Yeah, I think Al Jazeera is mixed in better company. He's lost to elite level fighters, but Ben at nineteen and zero. I don't really look at nineteen and. I don't really look at. You know that ten or eleven of those wins are padded. Yeah. You know, so it'll be a hell of a fight. And the thing is, it's nice to round off the year. On a, a kind of a main event like that, uh, you're the main man, and you know the 2022 it's set it's set up for you. So, you know, it'd, it'd be a good card all the way down. But the Taylor fight for us over here, I mean, Katie Taylor has held up there as one of the well, she's the elite sportswoman that this country has ever produced. Uh, she's up there with the likes of Sonia Sullivan for name recognition and who she is and what she can do. But at the back of my head, you think I'm thinking how much more is in there motivation-wise for someone like Katie Taylor because unless she moves up in weight, there's not many fighters. I mean, this fighter that she's coming up against 
tomorrow night, Sharapova. She's 19 and 1. Oh, sorry, 11. Yeah, it might be 11, 11 and 1 or something like that. I don't know where the, where the challenge is going to be for Katie Taylor going forward. She, she, she did say, didn't she, that she aims for 2022 to be one of her best years. And again, the motivation there, there's something going on in the back of her mind where, where has she got a point to prove or does she not have that point to prove and you think to herself, well, if I'm coming out saying that, it's it, it's quite ambitious really. But I, I, again, you can't call it because is the is the uh, legacy going to be tarnished if she does get beat or is it going to be a case of, well, yeah, she smashed it to the end of 2021, which was a really good fight, and then obviously going into 2022, yeah. which is what she wants to do. She wants to achieve big things next year. So, again, it's another one. It's a tough call. It is. It's one of those. I'm going to have to. It's going to. I'm going to have to have a word with her indoors. <laughs> Katie's on the telly. He's on this channel. It's only this. So I'll cancel it after, I promise. Uh, Chris, um, UFC. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's like boxes, isn't it? Amanda Nunes against Pena, and oh god, is it Portier? I was we were chatting to Callum the other week, and Callum pulled me up because I pronounced Port, uh, Portier's name wrong. This is <laughs> going to be a, a huge card on BT Sport on Saturday night. I would, Chris. Do you have any views on it? Because. I don't, Amanda, I don't for me, Amanda I don't, Nunes freak. Yeah, she's a two, two weight world champion, and that's just almost on her. She's been a two weight world champion now for a good while, and to do that in the UFC where the weights aren't six or eight pounds different, you know, it's like ten or twelve or fifteen pound difference. She's an absolute phenomenon. I can't, I, I actually record it and I'll watch it back. But, I think that's what I think that's what I'll do. I mean, I I sort of fell out. Of UFC because you can't watch everything, uh, especially when yeah. GSP retired. But in the last probably two three months, I've really got back into it. Um, partly talking to Callum, who keeps bullying me into trying it. So you know, I keep not trying it as in trying it, watching it, not actually trying it. Christ Almighty, yeah. no, no one wants to see that. Uh, so I I quite like it because I go into all these fights with pretty much no preconception of who's good, who's bad. So I just literally it's like purest watching it going like it's like when people say. There's no neutrals of all. I'm pretty much like that with UFC. As watching, going, I have no idea who's good. I supposed to hype back and you go, let's see what happens. So I enjoy. I've enjoyed the last two or three UFC fights because I've had no preconceived ideas of who I think should win. So I've quite enjoyed them. And but you can sort of tell there's the hype around this difference. As in, this is a big. This is one of the big fights. You can. There's just between a, a UFC main event and a big one. This does feel like one of the big ones. So I've got. I'm I'm like you there, Chris. It's a, it's a, not a sport I've ever been like fully invested in, but I love the drama around it. And I look, for me with UFC now, I love the fact how much it's come on in the last ten years. I just love what Dana White's done for the sport. I just think it's brilliant, and where we're at now, and there's so many more females that are, are doing it, which is just unreal. Because you know, going back to 2013, 2012, it was still really really early for the females, and now they're just. The argument dominating it, and it's, it's well, even, really even, even Dana White said, Yeah, no, no one wants to see that, and he was proven wrong with that. Um, if I'm honest, if you gave me the choice at the moment, would you want to watch boxing or UFC? I'll watch UFC, I actually think it's more entertaining yeah. and it's better quality fights. Uh, yeah, boxing now is a combination of YouTube fighters, which I've got no interest in watching, uh, men past the best, men coming out of retirement to fight, and you're like, 
I'd like to have seen this fight when they're in the prime. I don't want to see guys who've been retired three or four years and then pay 25 quid for the pleasure. Not for yeah, me, though. So, like, yeah, wow. this is where I think your boxing is falling down massively is this... You've got the alphabet soup champions. At least with UFC, there's one champion, there's a top 10, there's a ranking that's real. And the only way to climb the rankings is to beat who's ahead of you. Yeah. And put yourself in a position that way. It takes longer to get the fights that you want to see, but when you do, it's shit or burst time. Do you know what I mean? For all yeah. these fighters. And there's some cracking fights coming up early mm. in 2022. But even but, even, if, even if you watch UFC, you watch if you watch Bellator or something else, it's the same yeah, yeah. layout. It's the same layout. So there isn't three champions at um, the same weight. It's one. The only time you have two is when sometimes they have a um, an interim champion when the yeah, main champion is like, vacated or vacated or an injury or there's you know a reason why they can't fight and then they just do a big unification fight and they're always brilliant. You know, it's so, winner winner chicken dinner, isn't it? With those, yeah, yeah. You'll, yeah, it's like the old Vince McMahon way of doing things, which I quite like. <laughs> yeah, must admit. Me and Jay on the same wavelength for that sort of stuff. Do you know what? It's one thing, I've, I've lost love of that because I was so into the WWE for years, and oh. only in the last two or three years I've just stopped watching it. Everything's just gone off Sky, I think. It's out of the limelight, but I... Yeah, it, it's, it has lost the edge. Um, to be honest, the other company that, that's appeared now, uh, AEW, it's actually made it a bit more entertaining. It's a bit more fun. A bit more fun. And you just take it for what it is. I say say to people who get really obsessed over why do you watch it, I said, do you watch Corey? Yeah. It's drama, isn't it? Yeah. It said, that's basically what it is. It's a fighting drama. Yeah. Actually, biggest criticism of wrestling isn't the athleticism. It's a, that story's rubbish. That makes no sense. And that's the the idea behind it. That's, but that's the point. That's what people criticize it for. The ones you're watching now is the story. Dave Lennon in the chat there. Look, Dave, 10 o'clock start. You missed the boat. I'm sorry. We're just not going back. Oh, Dave, I've just, I've just done a 20-minute 20, 20 monologue about how much I think golf's crap. You missed it. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll tweet at you later. Yeah. Me and, me and Dave have a great chat about golf. golf. Well, he tells me about golf. Yeah. I, 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 it's a sport I can't get into. Uh, I can't say when Gav's on the show because he'll batter me. Because uh, I know well, a lot Gav, of guys love Gav golf. controls the mute button, so he he's going to be it's just a sport I've never got into. I've generally just never got into it. I've I watched it a couple of times. It's just not for me. But Loves love it. I love the Ryder Cup. I love the majors. And I did admit to Dave, I, I do watch the Ryder Cup, especially if it, I think Europe are going to win because it's great watching Americans get really upset. Yeah. It's really... Uh, but you know, that, that's more because I just like being uh, a wild merchant. We love you, mate. You're fucking good at it as well, mate. Uh, Jay, uh, one but, thing. Chris was saying, you're mad into ice hockey. Yes. Right? Mm. Now... Our beloved owners, who are, for me, in fairness, not far from the worst of them. Not the best, but they're all right. They've gone out and bought themselves a new ice hockey club. Do you want to explain the ins and outs of the deal and what it means for them, what it means for us? And does it have a crossover for LFC sales, for merchandising, and vice versa with Penguin stuff coming on sale in... You know, is there a quid pro quo for all of the franchises that FSG own, which is expanding at a rate of knots at the minute? Yeah, absolutely. Now, the one the one thing I will say about this deal is this isn't a deal where John Henry and FSG have just woke up one morning and go, um, right, I, I want to buy an ice hockey team. He's actually wanted to do this since 1990. So he's had his eye on a, on a hockey franchise for a long, long time. And a lot of his fortune was put aside to, to buy one eventually. It's just who is always looking at the right 
the right market to go into now. Bruins more than well, keep it. This, it, it. It all depends on the prospect. Now, the Bruins have not uh, a really good franchise in hockey, and they've you know they were one of the original six, and they've had loads of success, but they've not had a lot of recent success. Um, you know, in the last the last the last ten years, they've, they've won a they've won a Stanley Cup, but the Penguins have had a a, a a better dynasty. But the idea behind the Penguins is how they can redevelop that franchise. Now they have um, Sidney Crosby, who is arguably one of the greatest, or not if the best player in the world right now, is between Connor McDavid, Fredmonton, and Sidney Crosby for the Penguins. It's between those two. It's like Messi and Ronaldo. Yeah, yeah. Those arguments of who who's the better one, and at the end of the day, you just got to all hands up and say they're really, really good both of them. But from FSG's point of view, to you know, go from a financial perspective, the money that Redbird invested, a lot of that money was down for this franchise to be purchased. Okay. The Redbird thing was picked up by an English press and gone boom. We'll relate that to Liverpool, and all of a sudden, transfer fees and oh, we're gonna have loads more money and stuff like that. That was never ever the case because FSG want to build their dynasty of lots of sports franchise. Now, like you said, mate, they could have looked at the Boston Bruins, but they didn't. They looked at the Penguins because of the the location, um, the, the fan base. The Pittsburgh Penguins are one of the best um, supported clubs. In football terms, who would you compare where, where Pittsburgh are? To say um, the Premier, in the Premier League? or yeah, in I, I, I would definitely say they are around Manchester United but better in terms of they, 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 they can still compete um, but they're probably not gonna they got a proper manager you are have they got a proper manager yeah they've got a really really good coach oh well that, 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 that's where the difference is then. fair enough so yeah so you'd say like like Manchester United where they've got Sidney Crosby and Manchester United have got Ronaldo but they've peaked off since they won back to back Stanley Cups in 2014 2015 so they've dropped off quite a bit but the model and their business model is really good because it's been ran by Mario Lemieux, who we spoke about earlier, Kev, yeah. um, who's ran that club really, really well for years. So now it's in FSG's hands. And there's rumours that, you know, FSG were going to move them and take them away from Pittsburgh. Yeah, that's a very American thing. That yeah, it's not going to happen. Happened that. to my club when I was living over there and they sailed off, I think, to Nashville. I think. Right. Uh, they were moved from Hartford to Nashville and it ripped the heart out of the whole city because it was the only major sport that was in Connecticut as a state. Yeah, absolutely. As a professional sport, that was it. There was nothing else. I mean, now they've got UConn and UConn basketball and UConn, you know, mainly women's basketball, to be fair, is where they're one of the best in the country. But the I think the deal was north of $800 million or something stupid. Yeah, it's mm. it's, so it's, it's yeah. not chump change. No, it's not. It's it's close. Like I say, it's close to a billion dollars. But again, this is something that's been earmarked for a long time for John Henry, and he's really, really wanted to invest in a hockey franchise. But he wants his finger in every um, American sport, and he's got that now. You know what I mean? But in terms of affecting Liverpool Football Club, it's not going to take money away from Liverpool. No, no, no. Yeah, transfer. But I can't, Jay. Twitter said they bought. They used our January transfer budget for it. He told me that's yeah. not true. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm telling you right now, that's not true. Uh, wow. <laughs> In fairness, if our, if our January transfer budget was $800 million, and, uh, that's the only different uh, show tonight. I can guarantee Twitter, Twitter, got, Twitter got it wrong again. Oh. I understand, but, you know, you've got to understand where, where you know, the fan base is coming from because, you know, we care the most about Liverpool. We don't care about Pittsburgh and all yeah. that stuff. 
And I understand where they're coming from, but at the end of the day, Liverpool is not FSG's number one priority. They're probably level with every other franchise they've got. You know, where they're going to go. Liverpool is one of the most valuable, if not the most valuable property that they own. Yeah, that's probably because at least. I mean, it's the one thing that we are. We are a global brand. Correct. Whereas the correct the Red Sox have. If you said the Red Sox, you know it's baseball. You know it's it's Boston. That has a global recognition, but Liverpool is a global. Pittsburgh doesn't. So yeah. for that kind of investment, and it's, they haven't bought the whole club. No, they bought a majority controlling share in the club. And I was reading the a lot of the Pittsburgh fans. The hardcore fans aren't exactly uh, too pleased with this. You know, they like the old structure. They like the fact that Mar- uh, Mario, I mean. They, they, they like us. They like, they like Liverpool yeah. fans. We want to keep the core and all that. So, you know, people didn't want David Moores to sell Liverpool, but everyone eventually knew that that was what we were going to have to do if we wanted to move forward. And credit to David Moores, that's what he did for us. You know, we, we, he needs to be remembered for that. Um, but. Pittsburgh Penguins, they love the routine of what they've done. I mean, someone mentioned it in the comments before and they were spot on. When Lemieux took over, Pittsburgh were nowhere. And within six years, they won back-to-back Stanley Cups. Yeah. And that I is mean, fantastic. He was the, in my opinion, he's up there. He would be the, the football equivalent of Kenny Dalglish in stature as a player and yeah. as someone who, who has an influence over a club and a city. Yeah. So for this deal to happen... It uh, had to be. It had to come in with his overall t- complete blessing, and yeah. now the fact that he's staying in there as a with a with a major voice is only going to be good for them. And look, we'll see how it works with FSG as well. I mean, it's not, it's not going to be bad news for Liverpool. Put it that way: that the FSG are not going to go right. We're focusing on the Penguins now. Liverpool, yeah. you're not going to get as much money as what you thought. And I think, F, you know, they're doing it the, the way they want to. And it's but at the end of the day, it's not going to affect Liverpool as, as as much as what people think it's going to be. Like, where's the like, where's the Penguins' money, John? You know what I mean? Stuff like it's not oh, just yeah. completely yeah. about. Wait, wait to start seeing Penguins on the shirts. Ever go berserk then? <laughs> not my <laughs> team. Right? They're definitely not my team. But yeah, they're, they're, not, they're not mine either. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what Laura says there about the owner of the Bruins, I didn't know that. The owner of the Boston Bruins has owned them since 1975, and his oldest son is in line to is the heir apparent. He is the principal. Well, yeah, and the thing is, what you find with the Kraft family who own the New England Patriots is very much along the similar lines. They're not; they will control that franchise for as long as humanly possible, and as long as the fans are happy, then they'll keep doing that. Laura's dead right. FSG treat teams like companies under a corporate umbrella. We're run independent of and the Red Sox and the Penguins and the NASCAR and NESN, the Boston Globe. All that stuff is run separate as separate entities under one company name. You know, we the policy with us is you can sell. It's, people call it sell to buy, but it's to me it's common sense business. What you reap is what you sow. What you win in, tra- in prize money, what you get in gate receipts, what you get in TV money, is reinvested back into the club via wages, via infrastructure, via transfer fees. And investing in the youth youth academies is going to be, from what I can see, their long-term plan to keep up with the Joneses. Because we can't go straight, straight up toe-to-toe in a fist fight with two oil nations 
So what we're, we're going to have to do is do it smart and do it through the youth academy setup. But all that is down to how the next four or five years of succession plans and all that lovely good stuff. Mm. Well, but there's always a, uh, there's probably a midpoint in somewhere because I think that's the long term, but there, there is always a midpoint where my thing with the owners is that there are times you think probably you can, if you want to, you could do a bit more. It's you choose not to, you choose to stick within this very strict way. But I always think like most models, there's always a way, there's always a tweak or there's always a calculated risk. There's nothing to risk free. And no. sometimes yeah, no, I think they're a little bit too risk adverse. Um, I think a lot of that to... might be due to the COVID times that we're living in, as we've seen maybe, with. Maybe, you know, uh, but uh, unfortunately, some of the fan base, and I can see where they come from, so I see that as quite a convenient excuse. It can be. It, yeah, it's, but it's always a uh, next year we'll, we'll, do, we'll do big. So, but, I next year, but next year, if it comes, there's always something that crops up that you can't. Yeah. Predict the pandemic. I mean, for me, you're looking at the games that were played in Europe across the continent this week, and so many of them were played behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. And only for the fact that you guys have got an incompetent PM, that the restrictions haven't become down harder and more severe. You've got to, you got, you got to wear a mask now, mate. You know, the ticket's Oh, now. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. look, I'm not, getting, I'm not going down that rabbit hole. Not tonight. Fucking hell. Well, give, no. give, me a few, give me a few more minutes. I might do. The bread and the bread and butter, yeah, we'll get into that in a bit. The bread and butter stuff of why we're all here, the Premier League, and tonight's I'll game. Do, I'll do I missed the end of it. Can someone, you guys in the chat, it finished two one. Was a late penalty or something? Was it? What was the story I, there? I mean, we missed it. We, but, we missed. It. I was kind of hoping for a Watford win because it would have put the pressure on the uh, the bottom three. Yeah, no, I get that. Uh, first game tomorrow, Jay, we'll go to you first. Man City Wolves. Yeah. Do Wolves make it uh, harder for City than most sides? Yeah, I mean Wolves. We, you know, they, they, um, they gave us a good game, didn't they? You know what I mean? It was um, it was tough going, and like I said, they're under new manager syndrome at the minute, which is great. Um, so it's it makes it tough. But what I love about City playing first is because it's like the pr- they puts the pressure on them. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, well then it puts pressure on us depending on how the result goes. So it's it's, it's an interesting balance, but. Yeah, um, but I, I don't see anything but apart from a City win, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, I've gone for 3-0. What about yourself? Uh, I'd probably go three fours, maybe. Yeah. I think it's I, the I, difference, Chris. I think, four, I think Wolves will score, but, you know, I just can't see them winning. Yeah. I, I thought 2-0. I thought City will get, go get probably 2-0 at half-time and then just spend the second half pass, just yeah. passing the ball around, boring them to death, because that's... That's what they did, but that's that's and that's not a criticism. That's just how they play, which is we get a comfortable lead, and then they're just very good at going down to walking pace. You can't get the ball off them, and that's yeah. the way they rest. It it works. I mean, it'd be interesting if he picks Kyle Walker this week because uh, he was mm. clearly pissed off. He was clearly pissed he off was with a uh, happy bunny, was he? No, and let's be honest, Kyle Walker's not a not a young player. It was just petulance. Yeah. Uh, he'll be a lucky boy if they only give him a, a one game ban. Because no, I think it'll one, only be the one. I don't think there was violent conduct that they could add a second one on. But I, think I reckon he, they could. I reckon they could. Uh, uh, they, there was no attempt. He just, he just volleyed the lad in the, in the leg. No reason for it. It wasn't even like I was going for the ball. He just turned around yeah. and volleyed him. <laughs> you know, you wouldn't mind. One, it was a nothing flaming game, wasn't it? I know. Well, one Pazaki nearly got a two-game ban, and his was a... Uh, he went for the ball, but obviously he goes over the top. He, he catches the top of the ball and catches the guy in the shin. You know, yeah, it's a bad tackle, but it's you know he's not gone to earth to it. It's just a bad, badly missed tackle, and that was nearly a two-game ban. They managed to convince him it wasn't violent conduct. The Walker ones, he deserves two-game ban just for being stupid. Um, but yeah, do, 
do City ha- or do Wolves have threats where they couldn't get at our back four very often at all? Can they do anything different? Do you think, or are they so rigid in that we're not going to get beat to come out and have a go? Certainly capable of it. Um, again, nothing surprised me in the Premier League anymore, Kev. It really doesn't. You know, I mean, we look at when when we did win the title and Wolves beat City twice, didn't they? So there might yeah. be that in the back of the mind going, oh, yeah. Well, it's probably I fucking hated playing Middlesbrough. I was so happy when yeah. they got it. Dogs are all like, I fucking hated playing them. We never did well at the Riverside, and Bulls might yeah. be in for, for, for City. Yeah, but dang it. I don't want to try. Just... He likes playing against City, doesn't he? He does he's, like he's, City, to be fair. He's just a glorified sprinter for me. He's occasionally has end product, but it's like one in 20. I just I I don't see the height. one. Well, I hope tomorrow is one, but I see that. I mean, I've seen people saying to me, "Would you take him for twenty million?" Said I wouldn't take him on a free. If we took him on a free, I think we'd overpay. I don't know, I just, do not, do not think under a bet, like because uh, he, he he had a good season the other year, didn't he? And it was a case of right, he was worth upwards of fifty million, and there was those rumours of him coming to us. And I think maybe under in a better team, does he think he should be somewhere else now? Or is he a bit down in the dumps? Oh, he's not playing for the manager he wants to. You never know. Plot turns shit plays yeah. into. Great players, doesn't he? So, look, if you're going to go for that type of a player or a bit of a maverick, pay the money for St. Maximum. Pay the big money for St. Maximum because he's actually got more end product in a worse team yeah. to me. So, if you ask me who do you fear more coming up against Liverpool, I, I fear St. Maximum more than I fear Traore. Right, yeah. I think it's his pace that scares you, but I, you could, I couldn't trust him to finish it off. Whereas I do think he's now St. Maximum's just going up a level. I mean, Newcastle probably look at they've got Rich Owners because they didn't have Rich Owners. I think he'd have gone a lot sooner. Mm. Right. Um, Arsenal, Southampton. Uh, Laura Duffy, but I, I would take Terraria on a free and we'd sell him for a profit. I probably would, to be fair. Actually, yeah, that's that's probably what I would do. <laughs> well, you were elected chairman, weren't you? Well, I was elected chairman, but we won't go into that. No. <laughs> I don't like to blow me on trumpet. Uh, Arsenal, Southampton, Chris. Um, I mean, Arsenal need to get back into. They're, they're having a they're on a dodgy run at the minute, and mm. some of the chances they missed the other night were shocking. They were absolutely disgraceful, you know. And it seems like they after they once they played us, they got a slap of reality, and that slap turned into an eight, a standing eight count. You know what I mean? They, they haven't recovered from that. Uh, I mean, Southampton are doing okay and capable of a madness now and again, but... I'm with Barry. I, I yeah. think Arsenal, flat track, anyone in the bottom half, they, they just beat, they do routine 2-0 wins. That's actually what Arsenal are very good at, which is probably why they've got a chance of top four, because they're actually very good at beating the bottom half. Yeah. It's when they face anyone with a backbone, uh, they wilt. And so it reminds me of Liverpool probably post Rodgers sort of time, where we looked really good until we faced someone with a bit of a backbone. You went, oh shit, actually, we're not actually that good. And yeah. I think Arsenal are in that boat. They're too reliant on very young, very gifted players. And they seem to think Ram, uh, they're, they're very misguided with how good they think Ramsdale is. He's a very good Hollywood save keeper. Because um, you saw in the game, as everyone said, Ramsdale kept, kept a minute. He, he, was, he cost you the first goal. And that was the key, that was the key goal. As soon as Liverpool went ahead against Arsenal, they had no chance. Yeah, and I, I, has he improved them, Arteta? A bit, 
defensively do would I trust them? Not really. They've got a striker up front who looks uninterested. It's amazing when you get a new contract what it does to you. Um the only players I fear from Arsenal are Smith Rowe looks a really good talent. Um I just hope they don't overplay him because that'll because that'll ruin him. And Saka's in the same boat. Um I'll be amazed if Saka's there in two years' time. For me, yeah. one of the top one of the proper top four sides will go for him. Yeah. Um, because you would. He's brilliant. You could play him left back, left wing, right wing, centre mid, and he's brilliant in all those sort of positions. He's just a very, very gifted, talented technical player. Um, personally I think he's wasted at Arsenal. I know what it's good for him to be at Arsenal because he plays all the time, but if someone if you said to me, Liverpool only gonna sign Saka in the summer, I'll be alright with that. Yeah. yeah. Jay, how do you how, if you're gonna put your neck on the block and your fiver, your last fiver on uh, scoreline? Uh, I'm I'm going for a score draw on this one, mate. I really am. I just I think Hassan Hootel doing a doing a number. Yeah, I, think. I really do. I don't see Arsenal. They're just on such a barrel run, like Rocky said. And I just I, I don't know where their points are going to come from uh, in terms of trying to get get three. I, I'm looking at a draw on this one. I'll be honest. Yeah, I understand. I had it, I had it down as a one-one. Um, listen, this next one. I mean, Chelsea leads. I am denied for this. Talk, talk about throwback fixtures from bygone eras I mean I'm a lot older than both of you I Leeds Leeds Chelsea is serious football they don't do like each other do they they really they don't like really, each other really really don't and Leeds couldn't probably I don't think Leeds could be in worse shape going to Chelsea than they are with the amount of injuries that they've as a Bamford re-injured himself celebrating an equaliser You'd want to kill him. You'd want to kill him for that one. Yeah. Rodrigo, Cock, Banford, Phillips, Cooper. All out. Unreal. Chelsea had their own injury problems. Uh, Kante, Chalaba, Kovacic, Chilwell. But... They should have too much for, against the lead side. Has someone got a phone here? It might be me. It might be me. <laughs> trying to find it, Ken Bates. That's it. I was trying to say it's the Ken Bates derby. That was it. Yeah, it's... I couldn't think of it. I couldn't think of his name. I thought the Chelsea guy went to Leeds. Couldn't think of, think of his name, Ken Bates. God. But yeah, I I think. Look personally, I think I think Chelsea have got a steamroll in four or five. Yeah, uh, I think they're going to go to town. I think Leeds are in serious trouble now. Yeah, they're getting There's... too many injuries to too many key players, mm. and I don't know if the owners have the money to spend in the areas of the pitch that they need to spend on. Careful now, carefully. Uh, the owner might come to start shouting at you like he did the last, like he did the last game. That well, was hilarious. That, getting really upset with his own fan base for shout, <laughs> not winning. Um, I put 2-0 because Chelsea, I think Chelsea will win, but I'm not convinced Chelsea have got enough goals in them. And it sounds mad when you've got Lukaku, but there's lots of games you're thinking like, they should be 3 or 4-0, but they aren't. And the few times they have gone... Two or three up, you know, like the the the, uh, the Zenit game, they look so leaky. I mean, I think Tuchel's got away lightly, really, with that with that result midweek because he played the fringe side like we played the fringe side, but we played the fringe side because we literally were like, well, if we win, we go, we win six out of six, but if we lose, we're still top. Who cares? They had to win, mm. and he played the real fringe squad, and then they threw it away in the ninety fifth minute, and he got really annoyed over it. But it's a bit like. I'm not quite sure why you rested so many in a game that you had to win. And in the next possible way, Zenit was a hard, I think Zenit was the harder game than, than Leeds, who Leeds yeah, got missing. 100%, mate. But to yeah. be honest, he's got a lot of stock, isn't he? 
uh, at the minute because he's he yeah. won the Champions League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's one of them. I mean, you, you, when you can afford to make those those decisions and stuff. But again, you know, there's that risk now, and, it, and they've lost the the top spot, haven't they, in the, in, in the group? So yeah, you have, then again, no Chelsea. They'll get Lille in the next round. You'll be like, oh, for God's sake! <laughs> <laughs> you just yeah, it's, it's just not fair, is it? <laughs> listen, we we said that this we said that the other night. Lille are a decent side. Yeah, they're not scared. They're not scared of Bayern Munich, though, are they? That's the thing. I tell you what, I watch a lot of French football. Lille are a very, very good side, very technical side, and with the likes of a Jonathan David up front, they've got goals in them, and it's more than what can be said for a lot of sides that are going into the last sixteen. I fancy Lille. If whoever, if for argument's sake, if Lille got a Chelsea. They give Chelsea a good game over two legs. Whether there'd be enough to knock them out, I don't know. But they're one of the sides I wouldn't want to play. The only thing with Lille is, though, it's what's, what what teams left after January because French football. No, still they, a bit of a yeah, mess. they won't they won't go anywhere. It's like the Champions League money will sustain them for. You hope so, for but year. We, 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 I mean, we thought that we thought that before in the past, and if you bid yeah, if you bid sure. big enough, they'll they'll do it. You know what I mean? So Le- we'll I mean, go back to Leeds a sec. Jay, do you think Leeds are in trouble? They're in a relegation fight? 100%, mate. You know, I mean, you look out, we're getting to the, you know, we're getting really close to Christmas now and you look at the precarious position, this is where you start looking at the table and, and, you know, it's really starting to manage itself now where you go, right, if you're top at Christmas or you're close to top, then you're still within, you know, a shout of, of, of the league, you're classed as, and it's the same for relegation. If you're in that zone or you're round about there now, you're in, you're in a dogfight because, the dogfights get earlier and they last longer. I know that's a really stupid saying, but it makes no, sense. I know what you mean. We know what you mean, yeah. It's, yeah. it's crazy. Um, so, yeah, they're definitely in, in that fight. And to be to me, I expected Leeds to be in this fight a lot earlier, um, just from the naivety of when you come up. Um, but they, they, they have been quite good since they come up, which is which is great. But now it's just biting them in the backside and they are in a dogfight, mate. Yeah. Chris, you spotted something. That we, we've talked before about Leeds. Last season, they became very practical. Um, yeah, uh, me and Joe used to talk about it. There was some crit- some over top criticism of a um, a female pundit who made one remark, which I think was taken a little bit out of context, and they went for her. Uh, but there was this story that leads a very gun home and just the wide open. And to be honest, up until Christmas of last year, they they were, and then January to May, they had the best home defense in the league, and they just closed the gaps a little bit. But they were still, you know. When they attacked, they, they went with numbers and, you know, was still the same. They just went a little bit more pragmatic. They just when, it, when you say pragmatic, people think you mean Burnley. And it's not that. They just got a bit smarter and not being wide open. And since the start of the season, they've just gone, ah, fuck it, we'll go back to throwing everyone up front and leave big wide gaps against teams like Man United. You go, and you're just gifting them. Now, the problem I've got with Leeds at the moment is, is that now poor tax by a manager who won't, who won't change, but you can't say anything about you can't criticise Bielsa in some people's eyes. Or are they playing like that because literally the lads they've got, there's only one way they can play and the lads they've got in replacing just aren't as good. So I'm a bit like, is it a bit of one, a bit of the other? So until I see Leeds with a bit more of a settled squad, I can't make a decision. But if they can play the way they're playing, they are in a, they're going to be in a relegation battle. I personally don't think they'll go down because I do, I do think there's four teams worse than them comfortably. But... It's just know, a, it's know. a it's a battle you don't need. Look, I think Norwich are worse than them. Newcastle are worse than them. 
Watford aren't great, and Burnley are very in and out, but Burnley just always seem to fire. Burnley have away. a bit of know-how. That's the yeah. only thing I think that saves them. And we've, the been, we've, been thinking, I, we've been thinking Burnley's going to be going down for about three years, and they never do. The problem I, I, see, I see for someone like Leeds is Newcastle getting the January window right. Hmm. Burnley stringing two or three wins together and a couple of draws, and they're out of it. And suddenly Leeds have a still have injury problems because they're rushing players back mm. and they're looking up at sides rather yeah. than looking down. I think that can happen I, very quickly. I still think Newcastle getting it right, though, is a big if because it's Eddie Howe. And yeah. look, I got I got lambasted for slagging off Eddie Howe because of he kept born for four years. He did, but every year his transfers got worse and worse and worse. And he, his first Eddie Howe, when he spends small, he actually buys really good gems. When they let him spend big money, he buys the wrong players. You know, he, he spent £22 million on Jordan Ibe and Brad Smith. I still can't... I mean, listen, I was laughing my arse off when we signed them. He spent £20-odd million on Solanke. And you're just looking going, you just signed the right... And listen, Solanke actually is doing quite well now for Bournemouth. It is. It took him time to, to arrive. He's never a £20 million player, though. Ever. Mm. You know? And it's that sort of naivety. I'm sort of thinking, like, who are they going to go for? Now, the only thing that could scare a Leeds or... A Watford is if there's a player they want, Newcastle could outbid them for it and they could actually yeah. pit rivals to key players. That could be the only thing. They're not going to go out and sign Haaland's and Bappes and superstar players. No. You, know, you know, they might get someone like a Coutinho on a loan because they can afford to, to pump his wages up and he's, it's a bit of a, a Genie Wanaldum on a loan. Yeah, Genie alone, yeah. I mean, whether he's want to drop that low, it's up to him. Uh, I, I personally think there'd be bigger clubs than Newcastle after, after Genie, but. Yeah. They could offer him stupid money, which might convince him to go back to the northeast. I mean, he enjoyed himself there. So, interesting. Well, enjoyed, well, at home he did. Away from home, he just disappeared, didn't he? It'd be interesting, but, right? The big one for us: Liverpool Villa. Jared coming back. Jail go to you. How are you feeling about it? Because it's been a long time since we've had what we class as a proper legend in the opposing dugout. Yeah. Um, yeah how are you feeling about it? I'm I'm excited to see him there, mate. I am, um, but that's where it stops. It'd be nice to see him walk out. I do, mate. Nice one, but the minute that whistle goes, I hope he fucking crumbles. I'll be honest. You know, I'm not I've no time for sentiment when it when there's a league title on the line here. I want I want three points against Villa, uh, and, and and nothing less. Uh, you know, good luck to Steven Gerrard. Whatever he, whatever he does with Villa, you know, fair play. Um, I saw that stupid video about would you rather have two Liverpool do the double or Liverpool do the league and Gerrard win an FA Cup. And I'm like, I'd rather do the double. You know, yeah. love Steven Gerrard, absolutely. You know, growing up, he was a hero for all of us. But at the end of the day, mate, he's not. He's got nothing to do with Liverpool at the minute. He's all Villa. So, once that, like I said before, once the whistle goes, crack on. How do, you see, how do you see their season going so far since they brought him in? Well, I mean, obviously they've had that sort of uplift and, you know, the, the new manager syndrome and he's, he's done well. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's, I think he did really well against City. I thought Villa were unlucky not to take anything from that game. So he's got them playing in a different way. Um, I like how he's not a, um, a, a tracksuit manager. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that in like he's come in and he's gone, right, I'm the fucking boss. I'm the manager. This is what we do. And he's, he's got that attitude and his interviews are great. You know, he comes across really, really did you well. See the one he did with Carrot. Uh, not I've that one. I've seen that Inter- one. Yeah. You know, like his his pre and post match stuff. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The way the way he talks, and he talks like he's still a player. Where he's like, but he can be a little bit more honest now, which is great because I love love seeing the honesty from from people like Stevie Jarrett. He's got that personality. What I still think there's a there's a long way to go for Gerard in terms of what he can do as a manager at the end of the day. You know, Rangers is he had he had great success there, but it's a different type of league and. But I, I do think he'll do well at Villa. I do. I, I th- yeah. if, he, if he can keep the mid-table, then he's he's done all right. There's a guy mm. in the chat there, Robbie uh, Robbie Doyle, uh, Villa fan. Villa. Robbie, if you're a Villa fan, um, how do you th- just ch- chuck it in the comments there? Welcome and hope you're enjoying the show. Click like, like and subscribe and all that lovely good stuff. Um, how do you go? How do you think he's getting on? Are you happy with him so far? Mm. Love to know. Yeah. Uh, Chris. He's interviewed with because he, he was very, he chose his words very carefully when he's talking about the previous manager because quite a lot when the, the new manager goes, oh, they were They unfit. don't talk about it at all, do they? I, 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 had to run the, I had to run the bollocks off them and, you know, get them fit. They're just, they're just, you know, to play my style, which basically was saying that they're not good. They weren't good under the new manager. He was very good at going, there's a good squad here, you know, defensively, they've got everything said. They unfortunately went through a bad run, so we think defensively we could be a bit tighter. And that's what we want to do with this squad. But he went. He kept. He mentioned uh, Smith three or four times, and was very respectful about him. Which most of the managers are are like that. To be fair to him, I think he's done. I think what he's done really well at is distancing himself from the. He's tried where he can to distance the. You're going to be the next Liverpool manager. Chat. Which look, I've seen a lot of people say that. You know, and look, if he is and he becomes Liverpool manager, look, I hope he's brilliant. But there's there's miles before that's even a possibility, and also. If he's good enough, and I mean he's very, been very good at saying, "If I'm good enough," because uh, look, I think that's very important. Whether, whether people like it or not, the owners don't look with sentiments and look at it's Stephen Gerrard, the ex-player. They'll look at what he does as a manager and go, "Is that good enough for Liverpool?" I personally don't think being the Rangers manager, winning the league at Rangers under the pressure he did, and say get say you get Villa into Europe and win, win a cup with Villa, I'm not sure that's enough to then go to a side that is. We'd like to think the club leagues still challenging for league titles, still challenging for European cups. I think he needs a bit more. The one thing I was impressed with, though, and people say it was at Rangers, was he got Rangers to back to back last 16s in the Europa League. I know people laugh at that and say that's not very much, but that's the best Rangers have done in Europe for about 10, 12 years. Because yeah. apart from getting to the final, Scottish teams were crap in Europe. They, always, exactly, they didn't yeah. even qualify. They didn't, yeah. didn't get out the qualifier stage. So mm. they were consistently, and then to be honest, he never got past the last 16 because. He just then saw how small how small the squad quality was, and you know there's only so far that will take you. Where you just need a bit more, and you can only yeah. get around it so far. So that was a nice, pleasant surprise. To me was actually in Europe was quite good, uh, and also look tactically, he, he plays a very different style to Klopp. You know, this is not he doesn't he doesn't manage like he did like he was a player. He's a, he was a free flowing attacking, you know, wonderful player. He's very pragmatic as a manager, mm. very. Uh, Sit deep, compact, hit you on the break. There's nothing wrong with yeah. that. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. That's how no. he styles manager. But I think some people got it in their heads because what Steven Gerrard, the player, was, that's how his teams were playing. You're going, no. they don't at the moment. Now, listen, he may say, well, if I will play like that when I'm at Liverpool because I've got Mo Salah, I've got Sadio Mane, I've got Jota, I've got players of that ilk that I can do wonders with and do sex. Like, I can't do that with with all respect. The players I've got at Villa can't play that way. The players at Rangers can't play that way. So, It'd be interesting how he evolves, but I'm just feeling like just, just let him play, let him so let him play, let him manage, and yeah, then in 2024 comes. If he's the most obvious best candidate for the job, then great. But until he is, you know, 
we'll also wait and see. Uh, Laura Duffy, as always, hits uh, he's very Raffer-esque, which very. Well, does Robbie came me, back because that, that's who that's yeah, uh, Robbie yeah. came back with a comment there. Villa's biggest problem is self-belief in the last few years. I think Jared has instilled that instantly. You can tell. You can tell because of the confidence that they're playing in midfield, and um, you got. I, mean, I, I think they'll been... cause us problems tomorrow, but I fully expect us to get three points. The rumor is that um, Diogo Jota hasn't trained this week. The knock he took at Wolves um, has had him sidelined. So, do we expect? What did you? What did you? What did you was, what he, he, he had a knock in the game. And he ran it mm. off, and he was stood in his foot, or someone stood in his foot, or mm. kicked him in the calf, or something. But he carried on, and apparently it was something off. The... See, this is the one thing that I like about this. I like about Liverpool at the minute is we know fuck all until yeah, the club should... decide they want us oh, to know. And according to some, that's the club lying to us. Do you remember that? Do you remember, do you remember all that last year? The club lies to us because they don't sell yeah. to the players. Up. No, the club, not the club. Not but Klopp lies, all, Klopp lies all the time. Klopp is one of the biggest oh, yeah. liars you'll ever meet. He'll he just lie straight to your he, face. He just doesn't have a smile on his face. He loves it for it. But yeah. yeah. well, um, how do you think the front three? Because I fully assume that we pretty much go as strong as we can. So I think who, Origi, who plays up front? Diva? I think a I think a Riga for Joss is the only change. If Joss yeah. is a doubt. That I think if he, if Jota hadn't if Jota hadn't got injured, he'd have gone the same eleven again yeah, for yeah. the fourth game in a row. But of that eleven, only Salah and Manny played an hour. And to be fair, you know, they, they sort of jogged around the East Milan game because they yeah. they're very good at saving their energy. You know, the rest of the squad got to put the feet on oh, Allison, yeah, but to be fair, Alison, he had piss all to do, pop bit the ball over that. So you Jay, know, what Jay, what's your thoughts on D9 then? So you've got R9, we've got D9. <laughs> I like um, that one, Kev. It's good that. It's not um, mine. It's, I I nicked it off Matt Cop, Matt Coppish. So give Matt, we go. His, give Matt his love. I love D nine. It's quite. Yeah. It's good that. But it's it's it, it's throwing off in it because you're like, well, it's number twenty seven. You're like, no, 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 no. Um, plus seven. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we should get. Do you, do you remember that in the nineties uh, uh, Serie A? Was, oh, is it you yeah. had plus Narano? No, he had one plus eighteen, and in, yeah, in exactly. FIFA, and in FIFA, it actually showed in FIFA like FIFA days, and has one plus eight. I loved all that stuff like that because <laughs> he because he was so pissed off. He had the Roman eye shirt, took off him. Yeah, um, well, look from what I was, I was just quickly address this one. David Lennon asking how far is Bobby away from full fitness? I going by the type of injury he had, David, I wouldn't expect to see him for at least another ten days. Yeah, uh, there's a big I, I difference think... between being back in full training with the first team squad, like he was yesterday, and being available to start. I think we might see him. I think he'd what... be on the bench. He might be on the bench, but I think what we did with Henderson when he came back is you bring him in for 15, then you bring him in for 30, then you start him for 60. Yeah, and I think that the we've got very good at doing that. What's that? Sorry, oh. <laughs> <laughs> do me research. Yeah, we've got very good at doing that recently with Thiago as well, where someone will, you know, you you drop him in for 20 minutes at the end of a game. So, I mean, I don't expect, I expect Bobby to be fit and firing for the Christmas, for the Christmas run in. Um, but Jay, Divock uh, Origi, um, he's, he's got an incredible goals to games ratio. When he plays, he gets chances. He, he, Look, I think he if West Ham were looking for a number nine, D 
they could do a lot worse than look at Divock Origi because I think he's every he's got everything that Mikel Antonio has. Yeah, and he's younger. Well, some players are not built for starting every single game and being world class like Mo Salah. But then you've got other players that are just there for the big moments, and Divock Origi is one of those players. And he reminds me of Dirk Cout because Dirk Cout was one of those players. He's, he was a striker that got pushed out to the right-hand side and he was there for the big occasion. And you always need somebody like that in your squad and Divock is that. And yeah, all right, we can look at there you go, the West Ham game, for example. Was it the Burnley where he had that one-on-one chance last season? Just Yeah, Burnley. You know, he was, he was crucified for that. But when you look back at, at the stock that he's got, he's been brilliant. The last couple of weeks has been fantastic for him. And I made up for him as well because... He could have gone somewhere, you know, someone would have inquired for him, but he doesn't want to. I'll I'll give you both a quick question now. His contract, would you you give him a contract? Would you extend his contract? Depends what type of fee you're going to get for him. Because I do do think the the way the model is... Look, I don't think he's going to get more than... I don't think you're going to get more than 20 million for him. So you're not going to buy a replacement for 20 million. Mm. That's the way I look at it. It's one of them. If you ask, if you ask us in the summer, it's probably yes. But now it's probably like no. I wouldn't allow. Keep more Divock here. It's crazy. There's part of me that goes, bring someone else in. And if then he's have to stay, but no, if he's had to stay sixth choice, sound because there's still games for him. Um, I think people get worried that he's the first cap off the rack uh, because yeah. he has get a look. You know. I, we know look for, there's some of the fans that absolutely adore, and I get why they do. I mean, look, I I asked it on social media. Some people got really upset by it. I said, "Is he the best cult hero we've ever had in the club?" And I meant not Premier ever, because he going, he not he's not the greatest player, but he does a job. But he's scored so many big goals now. I mean, I, there's so many YouTube highlights of Diva Carigi's big goals, and you're going, a lot of these are winners and equalizers. You know, there's a couple like the West Ham game where we lost and you know Milan the other night but most of them are he just scores big he only scored he's only scored 40 goals for us but half yeah. them are big goals and yeah. sometimes mm-hmm. you're going listen we've, we've we've had other clubs and we've had we've lauded players for a lot less so yeah. I'm I, I'm with the opinion of Divock that I don't mind him staying but I hope but I don't want that mean us being it's the front four we've got now and Divock I'd rather be a front five and Divock yeah. And he's just yeah, he's just that plan B, plan C that he's just something a bit different. I think Bajan Pops has a great a great comment there. You have to play him down the down the middle. He's not yeah. a left or right winger. And uh, we've seen the best of him through the middle. Look. Yeah, but some of his best got some of his best goals though have come from starting wide left and cutting inside and bending it. He's done quite yeah. a few like that. So but he he seems better suited down the way we're playing because we seem to be going a bit more four, two, three, one. I don't want to assist with that. I'm laughing at, at Red Steve's comment there about probably Suarez. Oh, sorry, cult hero, I misheard. I thought that was that just brilliant, that. Love that. Oh, you'll, <laughs> you'll love it. <laughs> Listen, it makes a change. Red Steve's not shouting at us. So to be honest, we'll, we'll, I'll yeah. take that. So, yeah. Well, no, uh, he's nice to everyone else. He just hates Gav. So we're all good. Yes, he's Melvin's. <laughs> Listen, uh, score predictions. How do you think we'll go? 3 0. I'll go with Al. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna be really old school like I'm playing four four two two one to Liverpool two one to Liverpool we'll have that I went three 0 I want to keep a clean sheet especially if we're gonna go mm. strong yeah. Villa have a threat obviously and Watkins I think yeah 
Leon Bailey, when he settles into the he's league, out. is going to be he's out. Luckily, isn't he? and yeah, but I think he's going to be a hell of a, a hell of a yeah. weapon for them going forward. Yeah, I mean, lucky um, for us, he's out because yeah, McGinn Christ. McGinn is tidy. David mm. Luiz looks like he's settled into the the job and the role. They seem to be playing um, Macamba as a as a six now, don't they? Yeah, and they seem to they seem to sell Louise, Douglas Louise Douglas Louise Louise to do what Kante does for Chelsea. Look, he's not yeah. he's not Kante before people start going berserk at me. But as no, in but, telling a number six to basically do your destructive work twenty yards further forward. So when he's snapping at people and getting the ball, he's then laying it off to a striker or winger twenty yards from goal. And that seems that's what Kante's been asked to do a lot recently. Is yeah. let Jorginho sit. Your job is to do. Everything you do really well, which is snap at players, win the ball, harass players, just do it 20, 30 yards closer to goal. Because if you win it back, you know, you're in. You're in, yeah. It's yeah. a really good... I mean, look, there's a lot of sides are catching up to that now. Mm. Uh, some shouts in there. Richard Lefebvre, 3-1. Um, 6 nil from Red Steve. Diabach Hattrick, Stevie in tears. Get on it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what, Steve? In fairness to you, lad, you've been close a few times. You're definitely due one. You're definitely yes, due one. Due one. Look, there's five, there's four more games to go. We'll just scoot through these quickly. Norwich, Manchester United, three one United. Comfortable? Com- I don't think comfortable because I, I, I could actually Norwich going one 0 up because United yeah. are so wide open. It's untrue, but Norwich are Norwich. They're just. Yeah. I'm sick of the Man United loving it at the minute though. Since this, since the new managers come in, it's like oh they, they, they've yeah, changed and all that sort of stuff. Do me a favour. They ran they ran a bit more against Palace, you know. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's just comparing the stats and the way they did it, admit it knocked me sick. I was like, oh, whatever. But yeah, I'm going for a draw on that one. If, if they're going to play the same, if they're going to try and play the same way Liverpool did when Klopp first came in, we saw it. You're going to see a lot of injuries as whether the squad can cope with all these injuries. Because look, yeah. we, we had people pinging hamstrings that's right and centre. And it's because it's, it's a hell of a workload that you have mm. to do to play that style. And yeah. they haven't been playing that style of football for two, three years. They've been playing low block, sick deep, hitting the break it's a different demand and the one thing it'll do for them is if that's the way they want to play it'll weed out very quickly who does what I mean already the story now is Marshall wants to leave whether that's true or whether not we don't know but this no, is where you'll start hearing you'll start hearing stories is. now who don't fancy who don't fancy this style of play and who does I mean look some players like Greenwood and Sa- Sancho this is going to be this be brilliant for them this suit their, their style of play perfectly I mean eventually I think United will, will hopefully the penny will drop for them well hopefully actually the penny will drop that actually Play Greenwood through the middle because guess what? He's just deadly. It's really good. It's like watching Robbie Fowler finish. He's so good at finishing. Yeah. And they keep sticking him out on the wing. I'm like, just so let learn through the middle. Yeah, I went for 3 stands. 1, but I, I think they'd get a win. Um, I watched him the other night. I said when I was on here, I watched him the other night. And the system that, he, that um, he's playing, it's very, it leaves your centre backs very exposed. It's mm. going to be a facet, just as a, a neutral, if you can be ever neutral about Manchester United, as someone who I, I love watching football, they're going to be a great watch while this is happening, while this transition happens. If he gets it right with the transfers that they're capable of bringing in, if he gets what he wants to do right, they're going to be a hell of a sight to watch. They really are. Mm. Uh, his ideas and the way he wants to play the play the game, the fans are going to love it. You know, we all know people who support Manchester United, be it family, friends, whatever. They're going to be up and down like yo-yos for the next six months. Mm. But they have to understand that this is a long game 
and it will get them where they want to be eventually. But so many things have to fall right for them. And it has to start with getting players out. The summer's going to be interesting though, because the summer's going to be interesting because do they, if he does quite well or really well, does he been off him being an advisor and keep? He's done it before, apparently. Keep him on. Yeah, he did it before at Salzburg. That he recommended himself to stay on as coach for another twelve months before moving upstairs. So Mm. I wouldn't be surprised if he if he likes the run of it, and he and the players buy into it, that he stays on as manager for another 12 months and see where the lay of the land lies elsewhere because there's a lot of managers good managers around but a lot of them are very secure in their jobs at the moment I think if he wants to continue, if he wants to continue that style who's he going to get though because yeah. in Nazareth's way they're not I'm, I'm not suggesting they're going to go they won't go back to a Mourinho type because no. they want to play a certain a pressing style so that limits your options is it a potch you know who does like to play a who can play a pressing style and he's used to working under the director of football, you know, but he's, he's a bit up and down with Paris at the moment. Does he want to stay there, leave there? If it's not, yeah. Him? Well, Jonathan, Barry, Barry definitely dare say he's won nothing. Ranić is the German Tony Pulis. I'll tell you what, for someone who hasn't won anything, he's built an awful lot of clubs to be very successful at what they do. He's, um, if you judge a manager solely on what's in the cupboard, you're going to miss an awful lot of very good managers and a lot of very big clubs who generally go under the radar. Not everyone wins a trophy. There's only four trophies in England up for grabs every year. And the, big, the biggest problem fair, United has been structure. That's the biggest yeah. problem. Is they've got no and structure. He is the one person that's very capable of getting the structure right. I mean, mm. look, I think they win. I think they win handy, uh, but I think it'll be entertaining for you sure. Know, the Burnley, so, West Ham, Burnley, West Ham. Just before we move on, yeah, to sorry, Jay. United. Jonathan put um, a, a funny comment in. We said United fans didn't know who uh, Rangerick was uh, three weeks ago. Now they think he invented football. I do think it's a great compliment to Jurgen Klopp because it seems like everybody now is picking a German manager who wears a cap. You know, Thomas Tuchel. Yeah, yeah. Ralph's doing it. It reminds me of the Adam Sandler movie, The Waterboy, when <laughs> everyone, you know, the, everyone started using the Waterboy in the team to see if it worked. You know, it's it, it just it just makes me laugh how stuff like this works. But no, again, let's just hope it doesn't for them. <laughs> in fairness, he's been around a long time as a director of football. He's built an awful lot of clubs. A lot of clubs have gone out and brought him in to uh, bring clubs up. That's the challenge. Robbie's right. Yeah, spot on. You know, you're bringing a, a, a RB Leipzig, a... Salzburg, uh, what he's done in Russia, what he's done at some of the other German clubs, up to a level. But the problem is, if you're doing that in Germany and you're not doing it at Bayern, you're screwed. No one notices. No one cares. But the problem is, whenever the really big clubs want to go and buy the next starlet, they're generally knocking on his door Hmm. rather than knocking on anyone else's door. He tends to get a lot more of these transfers right than wrong. And whether... Manchester United as a brand will allow them to do that is another question because they're very much all about the shiny new things. Can I, can I say they, they need to get that away. So Julian Nagelsmann's out because he doesn't wear a cap. <laughs> no, he's, 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 he's out because he's a bellend. That's, what, that's why he's out. I cannot, st- a a I cannot stand this man. 
he's it, not much rattles me, but his face rattles me every time. <laughs> Ever since the Hoffenheim game, I just I, I can't stand him. He's a really good coach. I'm not sure he is, but uh, no, I dislike him as much as Gav dislikes Tommy Tuchel. I just can't take to him at all. Um, so no, that's the reason why he's he he won't be called a Liverpool. So you know, fingers crossed. Oh, yeah. Gosh, you imagine? I'd have to eat my words. Though, I wouldn't be cave. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. You'd be one. You'd be the only one on the sidelines because in a few years' time, say, I told you so, and you lot didn't listen to me. No, I'll just say he's a really good manager, and they go, he's once of yeah, he's still a knob though, isn't he? <laughs> I just, I just, yeah, but he's not a knob. <laughs> well, careful now. That's a different show. <laughs> right, Burnley West Ham. Oh. West Ham need this. West yeah, Ham need do. to get. Where's my pillow? Where's my pillow? By, yeah, yeah, by hook or by crook, West Ham need a win, don't they? I don't think they'll get it. No, I don't think they'll get it. Not I, if it was. If it was, I was going to say if it was at Upton Park. If it was at West Ham, then I would say maybe. But with it being at Burnley and the way Sean Dice sets up his teams, there, uh, I don't know. I'd take one-one. It's going to be the. The, the, it'll be last of match of the day. It'll be dull. This way, this, <laughs> this way is four four now. Everyone goes, you know, nothing. Yeah. But you know, nothing new there. But it just strikes to me as oh. we're yeah. getting there, Barry. We're going to scoot through these last ones now. Shh, Leicester, Leicester, Newcastle. Uh, what did I put? Three one Leicester. Yeah, two one Leicester. I tell you what, I don't know on this one because Leicester are riddled, riddled with COVID. And injury Newcastle, problems. But Newcastle are riddled with crap players. So yeah. Even the self out. Didn't you guys watch uh, Leicester and Napoli the other night? No, didn't watch it. Didn't Chris? No. So bits of it. Bits of it. Yeah. They went. I mean, it's the same again. It's the same squad. It's the same players are going out again as long as they come through their negative tests tomorrow. Mm. Um yeah. I think Newcastle could get a point there. Purely and simply hope. because I think Leicester are on their so last Jack- legs. So Jack will hide Leicester this year, aren't they? But yeah. it, the very, I mean, fortunately, it's very Tell- Rogers in Europe. We, we Tillemans is back early as well. Tillemans is back early from his injury. That's not a good sign, that. It's not a good sign. Newcastle, with Newcastle being so bad, even with these injuries, I think it, it's not going to be like a 2-0, 3-0 to, to Leicester, but I do think they've, they, they'll just they'll just snatch a win. Yeah, they, have, he, they had the firepower in Vardy to... Yeah, and they and they still got Dakar as a backup, and yeah. Harvey Barnes is still fit, so they've got goals in them. Yeah. They're just they're just a bit flake. They're just been a bit flaky yeah. this year. I have them down for a point because, and purely on that, because whether Newcastle are buoyed by their recent win and fancy it, they have an, after having another week, when Leicester with all their travels, we know what the Thursday Sunday can be like. I know it's been a long time ago for us, but. You know, it's it's not nice, and that can play in players' heads, especially if it's the same eleven going out again. Um, I think Newcastle could get a point out of that one. We'll see. Palace Everton to finish off three-one Palace. <sighs> yeah, because I, 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 I don't want to predict it and it, and it come true. So I'll, uh, as long as they have lose, I'm happy. But you know, um, but yeah, I, I do. I think. The Arsenal game will have given Everton a lot of confidence, though, and it might have just given that boost. So it wouldn't surprise me if Everton went to Palace and won. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I probably would. Uh, yeah, I, I might have to go for an Everton win this this week. Get out. <laughs> Read the room. Yeah. No, it's one of those games. Yeah, it could go either way. I think if Palace turn, I mean Palace being at home, if Actually, they turn. 
If it goes to form, it'd be a draw, wouldn't it? Because uh, yeah. Palace got like 58 draws or something like that. They don't lose many Palace, to be fair. They just I think draw if Palace turn up, they're capable of giving anyone in the league a game. And they're capable of putting three or four past Everton. Uh, oh, defensively, um, Everton are shambolic. Yeah. Uh, but they got Richarlison back. It, the, the thing that's going to get Everton away from trouble is when Cavill Owens fit. Yeah. When they're, that will they're, be. They're no Gray's been brilliant as well, isn't it? Gray's Jamari been... Gray has got to have one, been one play, so... the one player he's allowed to buy with money. And what what surprise, he's actually really good. Yeah, yeah. it's he's got to be probably up there as the bargain like, yeah. not just of the summer, but the last four or five summers. What was he? One point seven million. One point seven million. Yeah. He always even at Leicester, he always had the talent. The problem at Leicester was he just had too many players ahead of him and he's quite yeah. young. Uh the German move probably didn't quite work for him. Uh but it suits him, you know. Um, I think he's. Well, I I did think I when he signed, so that was smart. I think it was a smart signing when they when they got it because he also he still looks a good player. So yeah. I think, you know, he's been very clever because that's his shot window as well. He won't stay in Everton. No, no. But it's a. He's doing all the things that are being asked of him. I think mm-hmm. he's very good on that left wing, cutting in on his right foot. He, the goal he got against us was very typical of the goals he's had all season. He's very much take a gamble and try to beat a man and have a have a go. But Palace going the other way, Palace need need to get get a win as well. You know, they've not been on the best run recently. So hmm. look, but that I mean there's the one game that's cancelled as well with Spurs. I've got to get this B off my bonnet and I'm annoyed. Yeah. Get your cans open guys. Get your cans open. I'm annoyed at the fact that Spurs have had. I understand why they've had it called off now, because of the amount of COVID that's got ran through their club. But before we came on air tonight, myself and Chris and Jay we were chatting about the COVID stuff, and the clubs have put in measures in place so strict about where the players can go, what they have to do, the measures that they have to take to keep themselves safe and secure, the testing that they go through. How how on earth? This is what is annoying me. No one is saying anything. And if you say something, you're the worst in the world because it's about player safety. Well, if it was about player safety, then the Spurs fans would have been calling for the Leicester fans to have the game abandoned that Leicester played against Napoli last night. They didn't. They were quite happy for Leicester to play. So it's not about player safety. It's about performances and results because spur, the rules as I know it are as long as you've got 13 fit players, one of them being a goalkeeper, including under-23s who've played first-team football, then you can play your games. Now, is it a case with Spurs that they don't have the players, which... If they don't have the players, absolutely fine. My biggest problem is the Premier League are not coming out and making a statement of saying, look, this is the cutoff. This is what's happening. This is why it's happening. This is how long it's going to go on for. Clubs are left up in the air. Now, we're playing Spurs in, what, 10 days, two weeks? Mm-hmm. I find it very hard to believe that any player who's isolating now at home all of these players and staff are going to suddenly come back to train for a day and then play Liverpool. Well, Klopp, Klopp talked about that when he, he thought the Brazilian lads have to quarantine for two weeks, for 10 days. And he, he said, it's not even the fitness thing. It's, he, he said, 
he said people laughed when he said it. he goes it's losing muscle mass and he goes and you all yeah. laugh so, but the way these footballers stay as trim and as muscular as they are is they're working the body every day you know they're doing stuff like, and it, basically if he's if they don't do that for two weeks they relax I mean I'm sure people who go with go with who aren't like elite athletes. It's a similar thing. I'm sure it's a similar thing. Obviously, I wouldn't know because I, I've never seen the inside of a gym in my life. But you know, you get you get you get the point. Generally, my big thing is I don't know what the rule is. You know, I'm not saying Spurs are anything wrong because they mustn't. They can't I don't blame Spurs. Listen, let me get this straight. I, I it's don't not blame Spurs. Spurs. It's the process because it's... last year we had City cancel a game against Everton. Three what three hours before the game kicked off, mm. and you're like going, "What? You only need three hours for the game? You didn't have, you didn't have enough players. You had too many with COVID, and the whole gr- the whole the first team's riddled with it. But then you were fine a week later. It's like that didn't add up either. So I don't blame Spurs, but you know I'm more of like Premier League FA. Just come out and say, look, games will get abandoned or games will get postponed, and this is the reason why it is. Unless you've got X number of this, or or like we found out with Spurs. It's because actually it's not just the player, it's actually through a lot of the club. So you go, well, fair enough, you've got to quarantine everyone to keep safety, but then what's the rules for going forward? Is it Spurs just don't do anything for two weeks? They're just out of the league for two weeks and then they've got to do catch-up games in January and February. If we all know that, we go, ah, fair enough. Or as Red Steve yep. says, not avoid the league. That's the other option. Well, here's the, it's not fair enough because the biggest problem for me is they, they, re, they rescheduled games in January. Our lads are away at AFCON. How is it our fault that we're mm. the ones now penalised because someone at Spurs brought COVID into their club by not following the rules that the club set out? Yeah. You mm. know, and I mean, everyone has got their own, and me included, we've all got our own protectionist head on. But this can happen, it just so happens that it's Spurs. This can happen to any club, up and mm. down the leagues, all four divisions, that a player can go into a dressing room, bring Kobe asymptomatic, bring it into the dressing room, and it can spread. Now, I cannot for the life of me believe that we're two years into this pandemic and the Premier League don't have a set rule on this. Now, Jonathan said the Premier Premier League doesn't have a set rule on it. I don't understand how that's possible in a multi-billion pound industry that is totally dependent on fans turning up, on people turning on the telly to watch it. That I mean, every factory, every workplace in the country, every in every, UK, company, every every company has, has a COVID has a COVID rule, has a COVID well, policy. Come has a COVID rule. Yeah, we, you know, with, with the latest, like, look, this is not woe with me. We were supposed to have a, a staff party next week, but, uh, because of what's going on in the world, it was just flat out because of what's coming out. It's moved to January. Please work from home. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and it was straightforward. If you get a positive test, you should say, oh, you, you don't come in for 10 days. I don't care what role you're in. That's it. And if it's so many more in a hotel, you know, there, I think, I don't know what it is. There is a threshold probably where a hotel would shut if it gets to that point. Now, I, we know that, not, you know, this is a hotel company. So football, football's no different. And as I think I pointed out last year, we played Villa's kids because the whole club was, they had eight, nine riddled with it. And, and again, Arsenal, and started, Arsenal started the season and, Lost games that they were forced to play. Yeah. You know? So, you know, I mean, the, look, we laughed because it was funny for us because we got to we, we got through to the next round of the FA Cup. Not that it mattered because we were out the next round anyway. But you know, taking me Liverpool glasses off, you know, it wasn't right that Villa 
basically lost the chance to play Liverpool FA Cup because they had to play their kids. You know that that wasn't fair either. You know because they couldn't move the fixtures because that was that was the rules they brought in place, and it doesn't make sense. And the other side of it is Spurs and Jay. Spurs have lost their game against Burnley. They've lost this weekend's game. There's a midweek game that presumably is going to get knocked on the head as well. That's three. And potentially the Liverpool. League Cup. Yeah, potentially Liverpool is four. That, that's four games to make up. And if there's knocked back into the Europa Conference League in, with Ren, that game has to be played by the 31st of December or it's default. Mm. So maybe they will knock that one on the head. But yeah. they, that's a lot, a lot of football that they have to fit in as well. It is, mate. And it's, I'm glad it's a Spurs problem, not a Liverpool problem. That's yeah, the thing. It could be. It, 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 this is where COVID is at the minute. It could be a Liverpool problem. No, that's what I'm saying. In, in, in the grand scheme of things, how many games are missing? Absolutely. I know we're included in that one. But I agree with what you were saying. It's like If you've got enough players that are registered in that squad to play, then play them. But again, someone mentioned in the comments before, it, Ashley, it's one rule for one team and one rule for somebody else. And the Premier or, League won't... Or it appears that way. Well, yeah. But the Premier League won't come out and say something because they will want to bend this rule, which will benefit them at some point. So if they set out a precedent and then at one point it'll be like, you know, one of the big teams who can't be on the telly for some reason in a random country, they'll make a fortune. They'll bend the rule that way as well. So they can't come out and say anything anyway because they're too soft. Was the Spurs game on telly? Spurs Brighton. I don't think it was, was it? No, I don't know. It would have been internationally. It would have been internationally. Yeah, Yeah, but you know what I mean. But if it was like one of the the big, the big games, so Liverpool Spurs is the big game. Yeah, you know, I'd be amazed if it's postponed. Yeah, exactly. Um, You know, whether we agree with it or not, and people won't like it, there'll be too much money on that Uh, because that'll be everywhere. I mean, listen, we had the Liverpool United game. Postponed because of uh, the fans in, fans invading invaded. That would cost Sky a fortune. That was, glo- that was global news. That was global yeah. news, and that's not a good look for the Premier League. And you know they lose a fortune if that game gets postponed. So you can't. You, you can't. You, I mean, the way the world is at the minute, there's a separate rule for everything. So yeah, and, there you go. And put it in the comments there. People are still flying around the world at the minute. People are still yeah. we're still going into Europe, playing international games. You know, it's, it's all that sort of stuff. Spurs, like if Spurs have obviously done something there that they've not followed the rules and the protocols haven't been in place. All that there's something mm. gone wrong with the testing because there shouldn't be that many people down with it. Not when we were like eighteen months, nearly two years into a pan yeah. into this um, COVID situation. Yeah, I mean, look, it'll we'll find out in the next week, ten days. I mean, the thing is with this, there was. I had a bit of a ding-dong with Matt Hayes uh, on Twitter over Did the you? last few days. And it's nothing personal with Matt. But Matt put out a tweet later on in the day that one of his friends, who's a podcaster, who um, is Spurs, a Spurs podcaster, has been taken ill and is now in the ICU. So, I mean, we're saying all of this stuff about football and what have you. All with the, you know, I hope people aren't minimi- taking this as if we're minimising what COVID is and what it can yeah. do. We're far from it. We know, we appreciate that this is a very, very serious illness that can go 
people can go very south very fast with it. And we wish him all the best. And we hope all the Spurs players get back to full health and full fitness as soon as humanly possible. But my biggest gripe is with the league, that the league have to come out and give clear guidelines and clear statements about what's going on when. We don't need to know names of who's doing what and what club. But what we do need is a plan of action of what is going to happen for these players and what's going to happen for fixtures going forward. Because I know people with Leicester's situation now, I know people over here uh, who are flying over and the rules that have been brought in from Ireland to the UK is if you're flying from Ireland to the UK now, you have to go and get your PCR test here Mm -hmm. before you go to the UK. Then you have to get another antigen test if you're vaccinated, if not a PCR test in the UK to come back. That can take three days, two days to, to clear. So you're staying extra time. So if it's a case the games are going to get called off at the last minute, you've got people traveling from all over. I mean, look, this is LFC day trippers for a reason. It's mainly people who travel from all parts of the world to go to Liverpool and go all over the UK who are putting a lot of money and time and effort and the guy I know the family that I know are taking their kids over for their first game it's their big Christmas treat you know they've shelled out nearly a grand on this you know and they're not unique or alone in this there'll be flights from all parts of Ireland going to Liverpool for match days and they're always full you know and the lads will tell you when they go they'll go on the boat or they'll get on the coaches or what have you over here and, and it's it's an expense. It's a real expense. And it's not something that we're not privileged enough to be able to go every week. It may be once every year, once or every two or three years some for some people, you know. Mm-hmm. So all I want all I all I want to see going forward next week is the Premier League come out and make clear statements about what the COVID policy is and what the clubs have to do. And so this in the future is avoided. Yeah, anyway, it that I back Kev what you said. It, it it's the protocol we're we're asking about. Cause we, no one knows, and also if they come out and say, "Look, this is this is X Y Z why it would happen," no one disputes it there. But also, it stops all this. Well, why is it different for them? Why is it different? Because the rules are there. And everyone goes, "Ah, right, okay, fair enough." That's the thing. Like I must admit, you know, me and Kev joked. It's a completely separate subject, but this how unorganized the Premier League are. The Casper Schmeichel hand on top of the ball situation is a rule change. Mm. No bugging you. Yeah. The referee knew, but no bugging you. And everyone's going, that's, that's wrong. That caused loads of disagreements. And then you're going, oh, it is, it is a new rule. Well, if you like it or not, it's a new rule. But they're going, you don't tell anyone. And that's always the problem with the FA in the Premier League. They don't tell you anything. And then, I mean, it's probably deliberate because it, it creates debate and content, doesn't it? But... Mm. Yeah, well, we are where we are. We're going to round this off with a lovely bit of F1. So, Chris, grab your pillow. Right, before I grab your pillow, uh, it's also Women's FA Cup weekend. So, Oh, sorry, uh, Chris. Yeah, my bad. Yeah, I'm, go- I'm going there. On I'm going to Leyland to watch Liverpool versus Burnley. Don't ask me why they play at Leyland. Where's Leyland, Leyland when it's at home, then? Uh, Blackpool way. How, how far is that for you? About a 50-minute drive. So, it's not too bad. It's not quite Sunderland. <laughs> like I did, not Sunderland like I did a few weeks ago, which is still the coldest place I've been to so far. My God, it's um, cold. What division are they in? Uh, they're in the. I think they're the co- the the league below Liverpool. So I think the Northern Conference. So, on paper, Liverpool hopefully should be into the next round. Uh, but all eyes are, for me are on uh, next Sunday the nineteenth, which is Charlton at home. Beat Charlton. Liverpool at home. made a new signing as well. Yeah, we signed uh, 
uh, another goalkeeper because we had Katie Startup, who was on loan from Brighton, who's been recalled to Brighton. And sadly, um, Riley Foster, our actual number two, is currently recovering from a car from a car crash where, okay. unfortunately, she's uh, broke, I think it's four vertebrae in her back, so she's currently got a halo on and she's damaged her knee. So, I mean, I don't think... So it's an emergency her. signing. Yeah, yeah, because basically, we, at the moment, the only key we've got at the club is Rachel Laws, who's on number one, who's brilliant, and a kid. That's all we've got. So we've had to sign this young girl from Derby, don't know a thing about so she might actually make a debut against Burnley, which would be cool. So okay. something you want well, to say? Well, you can let us know how that goes next week. Yeah, yeah, fingers fingers crossed. Because yeah, yeah, next week's the big one. What time's kick off? Is there anywhere we can see it? Twelve o'clock. It's apparently on LFC TV. Excellent. So there you go. So and if you haven't got LFC TV, normally they put it on the YouTube channel as well. So there you go. Excellent. Sunday game on Sunday for for now. Happy days. Well, it'll be pre it'll be the pre match show for the main event, which is yeah. the F one. Oh, uh, yeah. just, just, before, just before you go on F1. Oh, God, if I get me pillow, where's my pillow? <laughs> you, you'll think I'm joking, I'm going to sleep. Um, if you do want to go to the Burnley game, literally, and um, this is uh, a first I've seen, is you literally rock up, but actually, it's actually free admission. So you can literally take your family to a game for now. So, again, you know, if you want to go and watch a bit of footy, you know, and you know you can watch uh, what's her name uh, Rachel Finesse, who's just broken the Northern Ireland record for goal scoring. So she's actually scored more than David Healy. So anyway, cool. sorry, you've got to talk about cars going around in circles. I'll, uh, I'll obviously. <laughs> well, cars going around in circles really, really fast. Yeah, Jay, yeah. have you been following the season? Uh, I be honest with you, mate. No, not fully. I've I've been dipping my toe in and out of it because my cousin's mm. a massive F one, and she's dragging me into it, which is good. So I've been in and out of the season. I'll be honest. So this might be a short, shorter conversation than you anticipated. Ah. Uh, Robbie, F1 prediction. Hamilton will win due to clearly faster cars. Do you know what, Robbie? It isn't. It was, I watched FP2 today, and yeah. in the long runs, Verstappen had a fractionally... It was, we don't know. It's hard to take much off of what is in free practice. But I don't think... I think Hamilton's got the faster car to a point, but I don't think there's as much in it as what people think, because... No, I don't think there is. But didn't he finish fourth, though? Eh? Hey? Didn't Max finish fourth in one of the practices? Yeah, but I think they're, they're trying out different suspension settings, different uh, engine type, or different engine settings as well. Yeah. It's more, for me, this... Look, the season finale is going to be an absolute crack. It's, you couldn't... It's, it's, it's the best for years, mate, it is. It's, it the is. Best finale. it's the best finale you can ask for. Last yeah. race of the season as well, it's unreal. Winner take all. You yeah. can't... And the thing is that Max and Lewis are so f- close in everything. Really. I think Max is slightly the more aggressive. Let's oh, be honest. I mean, the la- did you watch the last race? Yeah, 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 I did. And right. the, when he when he braked, and you know, yeah. I, I was letting him pass, which he obviously was told to do that anyway, and they did, they couldn't yeah. understand it. But he, there was a couple of few tactics he did try, which is why he was obviously dock points as well, and he deserved yeah. those dock points. But again. It's like Robbie just put in the comments now. If there's a crash really early on, you've got, it's you know what I mean. It's we've been down this road before. Um, Senna, Prost, Schumacher, Mansell, Schumacher, Villeneuve, mm. and going back way back in the sixties, it happened with um, oh god, Surtees. Jo- John Surtees happened in, in the sixties with him and Roger Hunt. But with um, 
they've already come out. When they said it before, what happened with Schumacher is uh, he got suspended for half a season on the next year. F1 glorified version on driving on the motorway. Correct. For some people, yeah. Look, I get, I get why people, I get people get into it like me, and there's people who look at it and it is literally just fast cars going around the track. But because I was a mechanic, I and I worked with people who worked on F3 and did did they, they do pick crew stuff? I know the work that goes into it; it's unreal. It really, really is. It's massive, and the money that's in the sport is huge. But the, the gaps are so minute that you're talking fractions of a second, and every rule is being bent. To within an inch of its life. Yeah. If Max takes tries to take Lewis out to win the world title, he'll be stripped of it and they'll hand it back to Lewis by default. They've already come out and said this today. Uh, I think the FIA are putting so much pressure now on Max to be clean. Yeah. That that's got to play on his head every time he goes for a gap or goes for a move. It's going to be crazy. After last week. Especially after yeah. last week. And the thing is, all of the bonus, all of the stuff that Hamilton, all of the, the gains that Hamilton has made, he's made because he took a grid place penalty and changed an engine in Me- I think it was in Mexico. And ever since then, he's been flying. Yeah. You know, and Red Bull didn't click it, where Red Bull should have taken the same penalty and done the same thing. They never did. And because they did have the faster car by a street. Dangerous is the word, Kev. It could be. Uh, the brake testing thing, I've seen that go sideways before, yeah. where someone would not intentionally slam on the brakes, but go down through the gears. And what Max did last week was, look, I personally think Max is the most dangerous driver I've seen in years. And I think he will end up doing some serious damage. I mean, the only reason that Hamilton is alive is due to the halo system that's on the cars now mm. because Max crashed into him and literally his car would have landed on Lewis's head in Imola. Yeah. It's um, it's going to be a fascinating... And the best thing about this is Sky have done a deal with Channel 4. Yeah, and there's three so, there, which is great. I love that. Know, the fact you know what, that... The, the Abu Dhabi track is its stunning. It really is. I, I've, I'm lucky enough to walk that track. And it's just, it's, it's amazing. It's, a, it's an amazing place to be. But to get more eyes on the product is great because, you know, I wouldn't call myself a, an F1 nut, but I do appreciate the sport and I do dabble in and out of every season. No, don't follow it as well as you do, Kev. But, you know, when you're on the track and you're just looking around and you think, there's a reason why this is the last race of the season because it's just stunning. Yeah. Is um, Paulie asked there's Kev, see how they gave the track a different layout. Does that make it faster? Does it favor either team at this stage? It does. It um, it favors Mercedes. Uh, the Red Bull is absolutely brilliant on tight street circuit, tight chicanes, uh, where downforce is a, is a key factor in any race. This is a more flowing, wide speed track that gives Mercedes the uh, advantage but 
all it takes is a bit of debrief on the track, a puncher, and that's yeah. it can be decided in so many bloody ways. I can't wait for it. It's, yeah, it's and more importantly, I can't wait for it because next year on Netflix you'll have the drives to survive series on Netflix. And the then we'll get the deep dive and the insight into how this season really was. Yeah. And what was really going on. Ali hopes for Max, fingers crossed. Uh but I'm late for one Kev. Uh no. Uh Hopefully no one else has either. <laughs> you just avoid all those flashing uh, cameras while you're at it. Look, I, I can't wait. I, I'm yeah. delighted that more sport should be on terrestrial TV. Look, I understand why it's not. You know, if it's one thing that the 2012 Olympics showed is that sport and money are so intrinsically linked. Yeah. that Money makes the world go around. And BBC, ITV, Channel 4 simply just don't have the ad revenue that they used to have to invest in sport like they used to be able to do. Mm-hmm. So this is why we don't have cricket on terrestrial TV anymore, where we only have no. highlights. And in so the downside is less and less people are interested in yeah. cricket. I mean, which, to be, and I would share, which to be fair, I think for the, um, uh, will the cricket, uh, one day international final, uh, they did actually put that on channel four. They did as well as sky, which I thought, it's not ideal, but at least if you get in the if you get in the, the home career or the big the big match on a threshold like that that's one way of getting a bit of buy in. At least but it's, it's, to... it's so needed. This, I mean sport mm. across the board I think needs it. Look, I there's certain sports I love and certain sports I watch with a pa- you know, a passing fade, but if it's on I'll watch it and I'll get into mm-hmm. it. There's other sports like horse racing that I just can't abide. And uh, dog racing that's I have a real bugbear with. But that's all right. That's how I got into ice hockey. Uh, I started watching. I started watching Toronto Maple Leafs because it kept appearing, kept appearing terrestrial telly. I got obsessed with it for ages. Then it disappeared, mm-hmm. and, I, and it's harder to find it. Then. Well, so. next year, Chris, I'm definitely going to get you into watching hurling. And I, oh, see, I, mean, I, I fancy. Well. I fancy this because uh, have, have you ever seen hurling, Jay? Never, never. Jay, seen we, could, we could do this together. I promise you, mate. If you're when the next when next year, God willing, we're still around and we're still able to do this. When the hurling championship season starts back on, I'll send you links and we'll get we, into watching hurling. If you like hockey, if you like hockey, we'll love hurling. Should we do a watch along? Where me and Jake look really confused and you can explain what we're saying. <laughs> yeah. we're like, oh, right. See that there? Yeah. When he clattered him around the head, so that wasn't a free at all. That was grand. He didn't mean it. Yeah, so you got, <laughs> you got, you got you that. This, this sounds amazing. Yeah. Hey, before we go, though, can we talk about how Jay's uh, Patrick Berger's best mate? <laughs> This is his claim oh, to fame. Yeah, you better explain yeah. this one. Just so people don't know, Jay obviously has his own YouTube YouTube channel with Mick uh, Copite, and Jay does uh, origin stories, don't you, mate, on uh, past players? So you've done one on Robbie Fowler, and you did, you did a big one on Patrick Berger, which if you haven't seen, it's really good. Uh, as much as I take the Mick out of Jay, and we do all the time. It, to be fair, it, it is re- it is really really good. And then randomly, well, you can tell the story. What happened after you sent this out? Yeah, so um, like you said, I, the, the, I made a, a documentary on Patrick Berger because him and Robbie Fowler were two favourite players of all time and I just love Berger and everything about him. And I made this documentary and uh, his son uh, got in touch because he saw it and said, you know, that was amazing. My dad's on holiday at the minute in Croatia on a bike ride, but I, I'm going to show it to him. So I was like, my mind was just blown from that. 
And then I thought nothing of it, you know, I didn't get back in touch with him. And then about four or five days later, I just got a, a message on my Instagram um, from Patrick Berger saying, you know, mate, absolutely loved what you did. Really appreciate it. Because I got a lot of footage from um, when he was hanging around with his son and stuff like that. You know, it was quite, and he's, he just moved to Liverpool. So there's some really good stuff. Oh, his family loved it. Um, and he just he just said he was really appreciative of a, a 25 minute documentary on his Liverpool career and yeah it, was, it, it went from there and uh, we've not stopped talking since so it's it's crazy to have that relationship now with with one of me, me all time heroes and he's he sound and he's you know speaks to his son quite a lot and yeah it's really good and then I made the Robbie Fowler one which was 40 minutes and then Robbie Fowler got in touch so it's just like oh. what are you doing I mean what's Patrick Berger up to these days. So he is, he's, he's doing a lot of ice hockey. So that's where a lot of mine and Patrick Berger's conversations come from as well. But he's always traveling, does a lot of fishing. Um, he doesn't really do um, punditry. It's, it's not really something that he's, he's interested in. Uh, but he's, he just likes traveling around. So he's always on holiday with his wife. Um, he goes away with his, with his son and his daughter quite a bit as well when they do family stuff. Um, he's just enjoying his retirement, mate. Just really is. But he, he has a lot of hobbies. Like he does a lot of charity. Uh, bike rides as well, which has always been close to his heart. Um, like I said, he loves his fishing, um, and he, he's playing ice hockey, and then obviously watching watching the Reds as well. So, yeah, still considers himself a, as part of the city and, and the culture, and yeah, he loves That's it. Fantastic! That's great. Uh, if oh yeah, listen, um, you guys seen the uh, the Nivea from in? Oh uh, yeah, oh, it's the winner. If yeah. any of you guys haven't seen it, it's a campaign that I hope. Nivea and Liverpool get behind the um, bone marrow donation. I can't remember exactly what the details of it are, but if you watch the video and then bring a box of Kleenex with you because you're going to need it, then watch it again a couple of times later. You'll get the name of the charity that's doing the um, that's doing the bone marrow drive. Hmm. I it's something to consider, you know, blood donation, especially at this time of year, especially with what's going on in the world at the moment with COVID and what have you. It's um, the blood donation, bone marrow donation. You know, it's, it's look, it's something to consider, you know, and you've all been on, you've heard, you know, my, my situation, my story with um, donor cards and stuff like that. This is just another thing to consider, maybe going into 2022, that if you want to give back in some way, shape or form, and I think what Nivea are doing with in conjunction with Liverpool for these heroes is uh, fantastic and it's something that should be applauded. And I don't think the club are doing this for brownie points or anything like that. I genuinely think it's, it's a good, decent thing that two companies have decided to do. And long may it continue. But on that note, we've kept you guys here long enough. Oh, God, it's nearly quarter to 12 and I've had no cans enough. Ah. I'll crack it off. Come on, let's go. Yeah, let's crack we're it. gonna have to go. Watching uh, a collapse. That's watching a collapse. Jay, Come on. Thanks. Where can everyone find you? Um, yeah, uh, at Jimmy Cully. That's where my Twitter is. Uh, you'll find me, me, uh, me, me burger and me Fowler documentaries and my pin tweet. Um, I'm halfway through uh, episode three uh, from one of our obviously ex players as well. So um, I reveal that soon. And uh, yeah, I'm currently. Uh, doing stuff with Red Men as well, so I'm on Red Men TV as well with the uh, Copite podcast, and uh, currently making a movie about Liverpool's um, 1996 away kit, uh, the Accru one, shock horror, Chris. Um, so yeah, oh, the, the worst kit ever made. 
Um, well, hopefully this isn't the last time we see you on here. Uh, well, we thanks, like, we, we, we would absolutely time. love you to come back again another time really soon. Yeah, Christopher? Comments were amazing. Some of the, yeah, some of the, the guys comments are always rocking. They're really great. Um, very knowledgeable people in the, in the chat. Absolutely. We love them all. Uh, Chris, tomorrow, LSC Women. Uh, what else is on Sunday. for the weekend? Uh, Sunday, LSC Women Sunday and then obviously the, the Villa game tomorrow. So that's... Uh, obviously, I'm mean, I mean, also playing football, so you know, football, Happy football, days. football for me all weekend. So, so awesome. right. And then I may have wondered if I'll be watching the cricket Saturday night. I fairly much doubt it, but you never know. Well, I'm going to tuck <laughs> this lot away now, and I'm going to go in and make a coffee. And I say I'll be up till about two o'clock again. Thanks very much to everyone in the chat. You're all a fantastic bunch. Shut up, Jonathan. If there's a wicket gone, I don't want to know about it. Talk to you later. Love you. Good night. Sports Social Podcast Network.